This podcast is brought to you by Trend. Trend is a micro-influencer marketing platform that helps connect brands with influencers. Learn more, join our network, or start an influencer campaign at trend.io. Welcome back to the DTC pod, everybody. I'm your host, Jay, and today we have a special guest with us, Lynn Power, who is the co-founder and CEO of Masami, a premium hair care line of shampoo, conditioner, styling cream, and shine serum with a unique, highly efficacious <laughs> Japanese ocean botanical. So Lynn, we are super excited to have you on the podcast over here. I know we're going to be talking about Pinterest stuff and you've built a pretty decent sized audience over there, almost 3000 followers. And I also saw 175,000 monthly views, which is incredible and crazy. We haven't really dived into Pinterest strategy on the DTC pod. So I'm really looking forward to kind of just learning about everything you're doing. But before we jump in, I'll pass the mic over to you. If you want to tell the audience a little bit about yourself and your brand. Yeah, thank you so much. And that was a very nice brand intro. So appreciate that. So yes, I am the co-founder of Masami, co-founder and CEO. My partner is James Hammett, and he's our chief innovation officer. We came together in 2018. He'd been working on the formulations for almost 10 years, by the way, which is a whole nother podcast that we could talk about. (laughs) We got together in 2018 and decided to launch the brand together. It took us about a year and a half to get it kind of all geared up to launch, get the brand name figured out, get the packaging sorted out, get our e-commerce site and our journey and all that stuff figured out. And then we launched officially in February of 2020, right before COVID, at New York Fashion Week. (laughs) So it was definitely like one of our last group social events before everything shut down was our launch. Yeah, it's been an interesting year. (laughs) Yeah, I bet. That's kind of crazy. I went to a concert like literally a few weeks before everything was shut down. So I totally feel that. It's like you had the event and then you just left everyone waiting in awe for the next move, for the next social event. (laughs) Yeah. And then we kept waiting and waiting to be able to do it. And here we are. We're still waiting. So yeah. So we've had to turn to lots of digital strategies, which we'll talk about today. (laughs) Yeah. I'm really excited to dive into that. So I want to talk a little bit about your experience before we, we jump into Pinterest specifically. So I know you said your partner had been working on the formulation for 10 years, right? Yeah. So I kind of want to learn a little bit. Let's peel back the layers of the story. How did you kind of end up getting involved into this and getting involved in like the hair care market? Well, I was in advertising for 30 years, which is a really long time. I was the CEO of J. Walter Thompson, New York. And I just kind of became disillusioned because I found that being the CEO is very tedious. I was dealing with a lot of putting out fires and like you basically don't do the fun stuff when you're the CEO. Like people think that it's like glamorous and you get to like fly on jets and go to great places and meet celebrities. And it's like, no, you're dealing with legal lawsuits, HR, client issues, (laughs) you know, finance issues. So I didn't mind because I, you know, that's that's the job. But it's at, at one point I sort of realized, you know what, I'm not getting younger and I'm not doing what I love anymore. So I left and I was actually kind of doing brand consulting with a lot of startups. And I met my partner through my husband. They've been working together, James and Bill. And James had said to Bill, hey, I've been working on this side project, these hair care formulations for a really long time, not sure how to bring them to market. 
I think they're ready. So Bill was like, you're talking a foreign language. I don't understand beauty. (laughs) And basically said, talk to Lynn. So, you know, the connection is that I've done lots and lots of beauty in my career. And that's the beauty of working in advertising is you get to dabble in lots of different types of categories and accounts. And I found myself going back to beauty. So I had worked on L'Oreal, all their hair products. I'd worked on Nexus. I worked on Clinique. I worked on Vichy, on and on and on. And so I met with James and actually his husband, Masa, who was really the inspiration for our Japanese ocean botanical. It comes from Masa's hometown in Atsuchi, Japan. So I met with them, had dinner, had them over to my apartment, immediately liked them. And, you know, a lot of what we do, let's face it, is chemistry, right? It's like, do you actually see yourself hanging out with these people, building a business together? They have become, both James and Masa are like family now to us. And that's kind of what you got to do when you're in a partnership like this, because it's 24-7, you know what I mean? It's full on. So that's what happened. We decided to join forces. And thank God James worked on the formulations for as long as he did, because I tried them. They were fantastic. And that's what convinced me to do it, because I will admit my cynicism kicked in that when I heard he'd been doing it for 10 years, because I'm thinking to myself, who does that? Like, who's crazy enough? to do a side hustle for that long, put all your money into it. And actually that's why his husband was also like, James, enough already. Like (laughs) you got to do something or not. Like it's time time to launch. (laughs) Yeah. So it just happened to be like one of those moments where the universe interceded and put us together and it was the right time. He was ready. I was ready. And we were able to to get it all together. That's awesome. That's really cool. Sometimes things just fall into place as they should, which is really awesome to to see. It's kind of those serendipitous moments, but awesome. So I know, you know, you mentioned at the beginning that you did your event and then everything kind of shut down. And so you've been taking more of a digital approach. Let's talk about Pinterest since we haven't talked about Pinterest on the D2C pod before. I know you're doing close to 3000 followers You've got 175,000 monthly views. Let's talk about like Pinterest. Like how long have you been on Pinterest? What kind of growth have you seen through the account? Walk us through your strategy there. I love that we're talking about this because I feel like Pinterest is like the stepchild of social. Like no one ever really wants to talk about Pinterest. Yet it's actually bigger than Twitter. I don't know if people realize that. There are more users on, on Pinterest than Twitter. So I have been a personal user of Pinterest forever. I have a lot of my own boards that I use for project planning and vacations and, you know, inspiration, which is, I think, how most people use Pinterest. So when we launched, it was a no brainer for me to go in and set up a bunch of boards and just get the account kind of going and then kind of see how it played out from there. And yeah, so that's kind of why I did it because. The other thing we've learned, which I think is a reality of a lot of businesses, not totally just my business, but it takes consumers somewhere between seven and 10 touch points with our brand before they convert. So you would think something like shampoo is kind of super easy, right? Like somebody sees it, they think it's interesting, they buy it, but no, they have a lot of questions. They have products they already use that they like. They want to know that other people have tried it. They haven't heard of it before. What's that ingredient, makabu, that I've never heard of? You know, there's a lot that goes into a beauty purchase decision, but I think a lot of categories are like this. That's why I'm saying I don't think it's that unique to us. 
So when we launched, you know, my strategy was really, you have to go where people are and you have to give them the opportunity to find you at those touch points because you got to move them down that journey. You can't just assume that they'll see an Instagram ad, click it, you know, and you're done. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And I wish it was that easy. Trust me, but it's definitely not. Yeah, for sure. And definitely see a lot of the same things from other founders as well. And that's really cool that, you know, you've focus so much in on building that kind of organic channel as well. You know, I always see paid and I'm sure that's maybe how you're thinking about it as well as more of like a complement to an organic strategy and really trying to build in that brand awareness. Exactly. Which is really awesome. So I know you're also verified on Pinterest. And so for a lot of people, like you mentioned, Pinterest is kind of like the the stepchild of social, especially for e-commerce and direct-to-consumer brands. A lot of them are spending a lot of time on Instagram or maybe even Facebook for Facebook ads and things like that. So I'd be really curious since, you know, I'm not really in that area and uh, you seem to be more in it as well. Um, How did you get verified on Pinterest for your brand? Is it an easy process? Can any brand do it? Yeah, it's much, much easier than doing it on Instagram or Twitter. I'll tell you that. So it was a super easy process. We had to submit our business info so they could validate us. And and that was that. I don't know how much that really matters to a Pinterest user, to be honest. I think it matters more on other places where there are fake accounts. You know what I mean? But I think the Pinterest user is is there for inspiration and discovery. So The purchase to me on Pinterest is a little bit secondary, although they have built in now, as you probably saw, the ability to buy products from pins on Pinterest. We can talk about that if you want. I don't know if you want to go in order. Yeah, let's dive in. (laughs) Yeah. Like the interesting thing there is obviously, you know, we have pins where you can buy from our pins as well. But what I found is that when they set that up, they basically pulled our pins from Shopify And when I looked at them, I'm like, it's an ingredient. (laughs) Like, it's not a picture of the product because, you know, I've got like multiple photos of my product, including ingredient photos on our site. And we have integrated the Pinterest into our Shopify site so that we've got the data flow. And as a result, like our shoppable pins are kind of not shoppable (laughs) because they're not even the product. So I, I reached out to Pinterest and I'm like, hey, our shoppable pins are these weird pictures. They're not weird. There are pictures, but they're not recognizable to a consumer. They're the pictures that you would see as the third or fourth in a carousel. You know, they're not like should be the lead image. And they were sort of like, oh yeah, we haven't figured that out yet. We just got the integration figured out. Soon we're going to get to that because we've heard a lot of complaints from other people too. So just sit tight. So that's been interesting because they're learning. They're obviously not a shopping platform. So they're obviously learning along the way too. And, you know, that still hasn't been sorted. So hopefully it will, you know, soon. That's awesome. That's really interesting over there. And, you know, it's it's really cool to see how Pinterest has kind of moved into the social commerce field. I actually see it even more so as probably better for product discovery than maybe even an Instagram because people are constantly looking for inspiration and it just tends to lean in very much to user-generated content as well in terms of what people are saving. So I'd be kind of curious too, in terms of Pinterest as part of your whole social mix, how do you kind of look at Pinterest? Is it something that you spend the most amount of time on for platforms or do you still do a heavy chunk on other platforms? How does it kind of fall into that entire like social media mix? Yeah, 
That's a really good question. I say the way I think about it is I kind of earmark where it sits in the journey for a customer in my head. Now, whether that's right or wrong, I don't know because we're validating things all the time and I'm learning and evolving our strategies all the time. But what I mean by that is I use it as a way to drive traffic. It's a really good way to drive traffic to your site. As you saw, we got tons, you know, thousands and thousands of visitors So it's a really good way to get awareness and it's a really good way to get interest and drive traffic. It's not great at conversion because it's people are just, you know, they're discovering, they're looking for ideas, they're not ready to pull the trigger. So what we do is we use it to get people kind of engaged, hear about the brand, go to our site, and then we'll retarget them on Facebook and Instagram. So it's almost like, you know, if I think about all the touch points they need to convert, it's like one of the earlier touch points in the journey, and it checks that box. And then we try to reel them in with our other digital advertising along the way. And that seemed to work pretty well because otherwise I found that Facebook going after new users is tough. Like the ROI has just not been great for us. So connecting it to retargeting has been just a more effective way to use both channels, I'd say. That's awesome. And it's kind of like you're getting those users that are coming to your site from Pinterest as a little bit further down the funnel, right? They're like yes. interested in the product because it looks interesting or it sounds interesting. And now they're probably more likely to end up converting and stuff like that. So I'd be curious, I don't know if you were running Pinterest at the beginning of when you went full digital on your strategy, but have you seen any sort of effect it's had in terms of you know speaking to Facebook as being that kind of bottom of the funnel play a little bit? Do you think it's made a significant impact in terms of like your return on ad spend, your conversion rate over there by kind of using the Pinterest users that funnel into your website and then retargeting them? I think it's definitely made our Facebook ads more efficient for sure, although they're still not where I'd want them to be. (laughs) Facebook is tough. It's tough for small brands. You know, we just struggle with that ROI. But, you know, there are a lot of factors, right? There's the creative There's the messaging, the visual, there's, are you using a landing page or not, which we started integrating, which has helped. Like there's lots of things that you have to look at to try to optimize along the way. But I do think getting people that have already sort of expressed some sort of interest in the brand is a no brainer versus just some random person that you're targeting. So I do think connecting those two things has helped both of them because, you know, when we started with Pinterest, it was more organic. And what had actually happened with growing our user base is that we started doing a bunch of partnerships and giveaways, and we started getting a lot of followers just organically on Pinterest. And then once we had, you know, a couple thousand, I was sort of like, huh, you know, let's do some paid advertising to see if we can't move these people a little bit. And that's really how that's progressed. So it wasn't like from the beginning we were doing paid advertising on Pinterest. It was more like, We saw that there seems to be an audience and we saw that people were repinning our posts and seemed to be engaged. And then it was like, let's just goose that, you know, let's put a little fuel on that and see if we can't get some traffic boost. And that's kind of what's happened. Very cool. And so I know a lot of people that are probably listening in are maybe not utilizing Pinterest as much, or maybe they're not utilizing at all since it does kind of fall a little bit on the back burner for some brands. So I'd be curious in terms of your content creation strategy over there. I know you mentioned that you're creating pins and you're running some paid as well. How do you kind of utilize 
Pinterest in terms of as a content creation mechanism? Is it really just content around your brand that you're creating? Like, are you saving a lot of pins that you're going and seeing through your feed? Are you creating your own pins for the brand? Are you creating just general pins around maybe hair care education? Or what is that strategy like to be able to create that user base? It's a little bit of all of the above. You kind of hit on the key things, which was great. So, I mean, we definitely have engaged with other users and saved pins because that's a good way to just create some community engagement. But what I've found We have our own product pins there too, but to be honest, what I've found works better is great hairstyles for us. So like a lot of user generated and a lot of stuff, videos obviously outperform just like every other channel, you know, videos are always better than static, but you know, if we can have somebody actually doing a demo, you know, using our products and then showing the results or even just beautiful, great hair that is the result of our products without even having our product in the pin people save those a lot. It's like, oh, I want that hair. That's amazing. So that works. The other thing I think is more like how to's, you know, people are searching all the time, like, you know, DIY hair mask, or, you know, how do I get this look? Or how do I make my hair look better on a zoom meeting? You know, all kinds of things like that. And so that kind of education tips, just the same way people search for recipes on Pinterest, they're almost searching for the equivalent in beauty. You know, it's like they want to get under the hood a little bit and know like, how do I create that look? Or, And there's a lot of clean beauty content as well around education, which is interesting. So you can use it for that way too, to sort of educate people on what clean beauty is and what they should be looking for in their products. And then the last thing I'll say is when we do giveaways, I always post them on Pinterest and they do, you know, we get quite a few click-throughs from that too, because there are always people that are looking for that kind of content as well. So it's a little bit of a mixed bag. I will admit, I don't do a lot of bespoke Pinterest content. Usually it's content I lift that I'm doing on something else because we're so active across all of our channels. I mean, we're on TikTok even, you know, it's like we're everywhere. So it's usually, you know, if we're posting a story about how we harvest Macabu, I'll just stick that on Pinterest because I know it's something that that audience will like So I I don't put everything there, but I will select stuff, but it's usually, it goes that way, not the other way around. You know, I'm usually making something for Instagram or one of the other channels, and then I'll steal it and put it on Pinterest. That makes a lot of sense. You know, you've created this kind of content flywheel, essentially, where you're taking the content that you create for one channel and throwing it on the other. I was going to actually ask you about TikTok, and I know you you covered it a little bit. I was, my mind was spinning when you were talking about the how-to videos. I was like, those would probably be great on TikTok, but I'm sure that's probably some of what you're doing as well. Are you interested in DTC and e-commerce content? Join Trends exclusive community for everything DTC, the DTCers community. We're talking marketing, product, growth, and more all about DTC. Go to trend.io slash podcast. That's T-R-E-N-D dot io slash podcast and look for the slack community link to claim your invite we hope to see you on there so peeling back the layer a little bit i know you mentioned for pinterest specifically you talked a little bit about the shopping functionality and shopping features of it as well i'd be kind of curious to hear from you and you know people that might be interested in setting up you know a pinterest shop do you think it's 
move the needle at all? Do you think it's something that you would suggest to other people that are jumping on Pinterest to kind of do? Or is it more so of the content creation is really where you're going to get your most value for your time? I mean, I would like to see people converting on Pinterest, but I've yet to see it. And I think, again, our our shop pins are flawed. So you can't use my data because we don't have the right stuff. <laughs> but I do think even if it's a small percent, I mean, there's such heavy traffic and eyeballs that even if you convert, you know, 1% of those people actually want to try the products and buy them, that would be amazing, right? That would be like, I would consider that a huge success because that's the beauty of Pinterest. You don't have to spend a lot. It's a very, very low spend platform to get the kind of eyeballs that we're getting. So versus a Facebook or an Instagram where you do have to invest and, you know, constantly be updating and evaluating and tweaking And I will say a couple other benefits of Pinterest is that they've really grown their Gen Z user base. Because I think in some people's minds, they might think it's a little bit of an older audience. It is skewed female. I think it's about 60% female, which is aligned with our brand. We're 60% female. But it has a decent amount of Gen Z on there. And that's a very difficult audience to reach. I have two Gen Z kids at home. (laughs) They actually told me not to go on TikTok, by the way. They said, I will, <laughs> I will just embarrass myself, which I, I don't actually do videos of myself. I have like user generated stuff. So it's not as personally embarrassing, but I think they just think like, what are you doing? You old lady, why are you trying to do TikTok? But, you know, so they're there. They don't interact with a lot of brands there, but That was a surprising thing for me when I dug into Pinterest a little bit is just the Gen Z side of it. The other thing I want to mention, because I think it's pretty cool, is that of all the social platforms there are, I think Pinterest is the one that has the most empathy and the most positivity, which these days you can't take for granted because, you know, I mean, Facebook is the place I love to hate, right? Everyone does. (laughs) Yes. Right. You just, you have to be there, but you don't want to be there. And, you know, a lot of the content I don't love because it's, it's still politically charged. Twitter's gotten better about that, but there's still lots of stuff there. And then of course, for like, you know, we're talking about Gen Z, there's a lot of social content that creates anxiety, self-esteem issues. I'm sure there are lots of studies about this and I don't have them, all the stats cited, But I can say from my own experience with two children, that is definitely the case. You know, social media has driven sort of more negativity around your own self-image because you want to put your perfect Instagram out there. You know, you don't want to have reality necessarily. I do think Pinterest of all those social channels is a place, it's like a respite from all the reality of the doom and gloom and negativity. And you can go there and be inspired, you know, which... I think it's pretty cool. It's like a little a little oasis of inspiration, you know? Yeah, definitely. It's a lot more about the content there, which I do like. It's definitely, that's the main piece. I think there is a comment feature, but it's really like the content is what stands out. It's not like you scrolling through a, a huge comment thread or trying to read like a news article. It's really just you and image and video content, which I think is really interesting. Exactly. And I think that just makes it, like I said, a little bit less emotionally charged and a little purer in terms of what you're looking for. So I do like it. And I think if brands go on and think about the value they can add from a, like an education, like what are people searching for? What types of stuff do they want to learn? 
I think you can create some good content. I think if you just go in and post your brand stuff, that's not going to work. Just like anywhere else, you know, you can't just make it a big brand ad. Definitely. Yeah, it can't be just about you 24-7 on any platform. Exactly. Which I totally agree with. So I know we have a little bit of extra time over here towards the end. And we've talked about Pinterest quite a bit. And you're on a lot of other channels as well, Instagram and, and TikTok, which seems to be the new favorite for a lot of brands these days. I'd love to hear like if you can kind of walk us through or tell us about some interesting other strategies that you're doing on social or something that you found that's really worked for your brand. Yeah, well, I'm glad you're asking that because we are a bootstrap startup. We basically are self-funded and have taken every dollar we get in sales, put it back into the business. We don't take salaries, you know, so we're we're really scrappy. So my marketing budget is super tiny. So some things you can do, though, there's lots of things you can do with no money, social being an obvious one, unpaid social being an obvious one, and creating your own content. So we write a lot of blog posts. We do a lot of live streaming. There are a lot of really interesting social selling apps now that are really efficient for brands that you can post, you can live stream, you can tell your story. So we're on one of my favorites, Shop Lit Live is amazing. Also, Flip Fit is amazing. It's all sort of consumer generated reviews of brands. Super cool. So we do a lot of those types of platforms. But then I also do a lot of podcasts as we're sitting here doing, because they're a great way to tell a bigger story. You know, it's like, it's hard when you just, in social, you just get that little tiny snippet of attention from somebody and you can't really explain your ingredient or your effects or what it does and all that stuff. So I really do like podcasts. I think most people actually, if they just put a tiny bit of effort, you can find a number of podcasts that are relevant and interesting, and most of them don't cost anything to be on. And then partnerships. That's the other thing you can do, which costs nothing also. We have partnered with a bunch of like-minded brands, other clean beauty brands, other luxury brands, other female-founded brands, and we'll do giveaways, we'll do a gift with purchase, we'll do blog posts, you know, all sorts of things. And that has been awesome because I think people have been much more receptive with COVID about trying some of these things. And it really does work. We're helping each other build our businesses. And I'm a real big fan of supporting small businesses, obviously, (laughs) since I am one. But it is a little bit about putting your money where your mouth is, you know, not just supporting them in talk, but like actually supporting them by writing about them, by shouting them out, by posting about them on, you know, Instagram, that kind of thing. Yeah, that's awesome. And it definitely feels a lot of times I I do see a lot of early stage brands and even brands that have been in the market for a while that are very focused on building community, very much worked with other brands. And it really heightens that level of community where it feels like everyone's trying to uplift each other and, and seeing everyone succeed at their business, which is really awesome. Yeah, I just think there's a spirit of generosity that a bunch of brands really embrace, including us. Not all brands do. We've worked with a few that were not great partners. You know, we won't work with them again, but most of them do. Most of them get it. And they realize, you know, this is not a competition, especially if you're, we're a hair care brand. If we're partnering with a skincare brand, you know, it's like, there's no reason we can't, you know, have the same customer. So I think we're going to keep doing that. And we'll probably do a lot more. We even did one last year, actually, with a bunch of Japanese brands. We had Ramen Hero. Do you know that brand? 
I do not, but oh, it sounds really delicious. I was going to say, you've got to check it out. They are basically like a meal kit frozen that they send you, but of ramen, but like really good, like Japanese style ramen. So that's pretty cool. So we actually did a thing with them, with Misake Tokyo, which is a crystal candy company, you know, Japanese crystal candy company, a Japanese skincare brand. Like, so I think you can be creative about the type of partnerships you do, as long as they're make sense, you know, they're on your brand values and they add value to your customer too. You know, your customer doesn't want to open an email and find some rando, you know, um, we're doing a, you know, a promotion with a car park company or so, you know, it's like, what? <laughs> it has to make sense, obviously. <laughs> yeah, definitely. A lot around consumer tastes and things like that and kind of finding that nice balance. I'd love to circle back to just really quickly as we're coming to the end. I know you mentioned giveaways and I totally forgot to, to touch on that for a second when you mentioned that you were running Pinterest giveaways. I'd be really curious, and I'm sure the audience would be as well, to kind of learn, like, what's your strategy for running successful Pinterest giveaways for people that probably might not be on Pinterest right now? So we don't run giveaways exclusively on Pinterest, but what we'll do is we'll attach Pinterest to a giveaway and make it a requirement for entering. And we don't do it all the time that way, but sometimes we'll offer additional entries if somebody follows us on Pinterest or follows us on Instagram or follows us on Facebook, you know, so we'll attach our social channels to the giveaway to amplify them basically. So that's definitely helped on, on Pinterest as well with the organic growth and followers. So I would say it's more about amplifying as opposed to like being a channel that you're going to do a giveaway just on Pinterest. That makes a lot of sense. (laughs) But I could be wrong. I would actually love if anyone was listening and they want to like write in I would love to hear if anyone's actually done a giveaway like exclusively on Pinterest. That would be cool. Well, I have some homework to do after this podcast to do some research around that and see if we can find someone to talk about that. Maybe we'll try it. I don't know. Maybe I hadn't really thought about doing that, but maybe it is worth trying. Why not? We'll be a guinea pig, but I would love to know if anyone's done it. So maybe you can, we'll do some research. We'll do some investigative work over there. Well, awesome. I know we're coming to time almost over here on the on the podcast. Lynn, it's been awesome having you over here to, to talk about mostly Pinterest, but also some fun stuff on TikTok and Instagram and a bunch of other things as well. Really appreciate you joining over here. Before we wrap up, I'd love to give turn the mic over to you one last time to kind of tell us a little bit about what's next for your brand and where people can learn more about you and potentially buy products as well. I love that. Thank you. Yeah. So we're all about sustainability. We make products that are good for you and good for the environment. If I hadn't mentioned that because they're clean and we also give back to fund ocean research through the Masami Institute. So one of the next things we're doing um, is like near and dear to my heart. We're creating sustainable bottles and refill pouches and those will launch in May. So that's just around the corner. You can find us at lovemasami.com, L-O-V-E-M-A-S-A-M-I.com. And on all of our social channels, we are Love Masami Hair, pretty much everywhere. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Lynn. I know everyone that's listening is definitely going to follow you on Pinterest for sure to learn, (laughs) to kind of figure out what you're doing over there, which is great. But Lynn, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. This was an incredibly insightful episode. I I really enjoyed talking with you. Hopefully everyone that's listening in enjoyed this one as well. If you did, leave us a quick rating and subscribe to the podcast. 
and we'll see you next time on the DTC pod.